every time my alarm goes off. Depends on the sport a little bit, but it just, it. I need to worry that bad what I can say. I'm so excited to hit this workout. Yeah. I'm so glad my parents never let me. You're listening to the Live, Live, Play podcast. So, hey guys, welcome to the Live, Live, Play podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Kinsler, and today I'm honored to have Coach Mike Bergner, or as most of you would know him as Coach B. Uh, he is on the show today, and we're going to be discussing about weightlifting with youths, uh, kids and teens, and just how, like, where they need to start. But for people that may be living under a rock and have never or watched this show and have never heard of Coach B, uh, he is one of USA Weightlifting's top tier coaches. He's worked from the novice to the top level. Uh, he's a father, a, a husband, he's a grandfather. I think uh, only recently a new grand grandchild in the family, is there? Yeah, I've got uh, just two that are under a year and another one on the way. So a total of seven coming up. Seven, good, busy. <laughs> um, so yeah, and his... Coach B, he's, he's, I, I, I got to know you and see your videos through CrossFit, like so many other people. Um, but for, for my, I suppose my first question for you is, when it comes to working with kids and kids and teenagers, where would, where do you start them when it comes to Olympic weightlifting? Where would you start? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, uh, and, and just for the record, I, my philosophy has always been that I believe in body weight exercises before barbell exercises. Uh, and I, having said that, um, a body weight exercise is, you know, I can use PVC pipe. Yeah. Which I don't know how many grams that is, but in, in pounds and ounces, it's about a, you know, it's about a half a pound or something like that. It's not very much at all. <clears throat> and then as, as we get our uh, fundamentals dialed in, which are stance, grip and positions, um, then we can go up to maybe a little bit heavier implement with PVC pipe filled with sand. But the bottom line is, is that you would never take a youngster a child and uh, load them up with a barbell uh, before you would have the body weight uh, exercises dialed in and checked in. And so for yeah. me, body weight exercises can be the use of PVC pipe to, to teach those fundamentals of stance, grip and positions. Yeah. And, and at the age, Oh, you know what? My, my little children with Sage as an example was, three and four years old coming in the gym and, and taking PVC pipe. And uh, she wasn't on a structured program or anything like that, but she would just come in the gym and do a couple of high hang snatches because that's what she saw the other, the other athletes that were in the gym doing. And I certainly didn't try to, uh, you know, keep that from happening. I let it happen. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I didn't put her on a structured program mm. until she was, you know, uh, ready to be on that program. And, and that readiness is when the child or the, the youngster is willing to make that, that uh, little bit of commitment for, you know, 15 to 30 minutes a day of doing fundamentals and, and uh, work with that PVC pipe and walking lunges and step ups and, you know, uh, uh, Again, push-ups, body weight exercises that are dialed in before we allow them to use the uh, barbell. Yeah, and I, 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 we like we we'd have something similar. We we again we start off body weight. We do PVC, uh, and it's always uh, good movement trumps bad movement. But like at a younger age, like our, our junior kids, it's can you take a PVC pipe from your hip to above your head? Yeah, and it's just it's more we're kind of trying to teach monkey see monkey do and if i do it and i bend my elbow and i catch it then you can do it too and it's just we drill it in more of a game pattern um yeah. and then it just becomes an automated system and then as they progress so for example uh our kids this week some of our older kids they have to do we have 13 principles 11 of them they have to be able to complete with for 10 reps without coaching which means they can show control. And if they can pass that, <laughs> then we'll allow them to move to a, a four kilo training bar. 
um, for yeah. overhead squats or back squats, front squats, still maybe not Olympic lifting. We do have the sand in the pipes as well. Um, but yeah, like I, I, the body weight stuff, and I, I, I see and I, I think a lot of coaches try to impress by getting, oh, look at my young kids able to do this. And it's not necessarily what the kid needs at the time. It's more trying to show off for Instagram or Facebook. And um, yeah, I kind of, I've seen that. I don't kind of like that idea of it because I think kids need to learn from every aspect and body weight, gymnastics, just play. And like you say, like your kids were kind of running in, doing a few movements and then running out and playing. And that type of stuff I think is really good. But I, I suppose as kids get older and they make that decision and they're in the, the, in the weight room, for, for you then, obviously, so Olympic lifting is a high skill sport. Um, so how often would you then, would you train it every day with them? Would you let them to train or would you have specific days that, right, we're going to work on body weight and more structured strength and then we'll do the high skill development strength work like Olympic lifting on these days? Like, how would you approach that? Well, my my school hired me as a full-time physical education teacher as well as a strength coach. So I got to write the curriculum uh, for my classes in phys ed. And uh, my final exam consisted of the snatch, the clean and jerk, and the front squat. And it was never it was never graded on how much weight you could lose, you could use, how much light weight you could snatch or how much weight you could front squat. That was never part of the alternative. What was part of the alternative was that I developed a, a 10 point grading system. And if the athlete or the student uh, achieved eight points, then the, then the lift would count yeah. eight out of 10, the lift would count. If the athlete did not uh, achieve eight points, then the lift would not count. So for me and my students, <clears throat> the fact that I never graded on, on how much weight they lifted, it became a very important entity to have correct technique and correct mm -hmm. form. But to answer your question, yes, we would do, we predominantly did snatch, clean, jerk, and front squat, but we also, you know, I taught them, you know, bodybuilding movements we did you know we did bench press we did back squats we always did more front squats than back squats we did you know uh, those bodybuilding exercises that kids like to do you know the dumbbell curls mm. we really wanted to work <clears throat> our goal was to snatch clean and jerk and front squat and then work our accessory movement patterns that were going to work on our weaknesses that were you know part of our our training or part of that particular body yeah. Uh, so when you when you when you were designing that, like, how how did you see the kids respond? I like the idea of just that the, the technique issue was to get your eight points. You had to show good technique regardless of weight. Whereas right. you know, like some people, obviously, eventually you get to an age uh, in the sport and all sports where, especially in lifting sports, where weight is the goal if you're looking to compete or get to the next level um how did you see that that develop for the kids you worked with in in the school system how like their confidence or just their body awareness what was the kind of feedback you got from working with youths well in 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 my in my school first of all you it it you could not just come into the program. It was a program that I had to accept you to come into. Um, you know, it wasn't something that all kids had to take. But, you know, the maximum kids that I was supposed to have in a class were like 30 kids in a class. But I had 60 kids in a class because I wanted every student to have the opportunity mm. to learn the Olympic lifts. And so the kids really wanted to be there. They, they, they had a very high desire to be in the weight room. Of course, they wanted to look good for their girlfriends. But on the other side of the coin, we had a weightlifting team as well. So uh, if I had five periods of physical education, all five periods were learning the Olympic lifts as well as the fundamental exercises of the bench press and incline bench press, dumbbell work and all that kind of stuff. 
but the weightlifting team uh, didn't have to run. So, you know, the, it was my belief that running, and I don't know if I believe that now, but it was my belief that long distance running didn't necessarily go hand in hand with heavy Olympic style weightlifting. Mm. So we had a weightlifting team at Rancho Buena Vista High School, and those kids were highly motivated to join the team because they didn't have to run for physical education. <laughs> but they had to join USA Weightlifting, and they had to go to our weightlifting contest that were typically against other schools that were of like mind with us. Mm. So it was, you know, it was... Um, it wasn't hard to get these kids motivated because they were, they were basically self-motivated. And, and I didn't, you know, I really didn't care how much weight they lifted. I just wanted them to be healthy and yeah. fit. We talked a lot about nutrition, but the most important thing for us was to work on the fundamentals of Olympic weightlifting. You know, and they were taught stance, grip, and positions of the Olympic lists and the snatch, the clean, and the front squats. They were given points of performance that they had to meet. Um, and at the same time, you know, that was the same for bench press and incline bench press and dumbbell curls. But we really hung our hats on the Olympic lifts. And that was just, that was my philosophy of being a teacher and a coach. And, and uh, you know, my, my, Weightlifting program was probably the most sought after program in the in the school that we had. People really liked the discipline. They liked mm. they liked the structure. Uh, you know, these kids are all getting testosterone and estrogen in their bodies, and they wanted to look good for their girlfriends and their boyfriends. and And so it was a very disciplined class, but at the same time, it was a lot of fun. They enjoyed it. And I, I think that the discipline thing aspect is really because we we're, we have we've set rules in the gym. You have there's there's certain things we expect you to follow. We want you to have fun along the way. Um, but what I what I also find is that when you teach a kid, any kid, even kids that don't play sport, that they can be strong at something. It just there's a mindset there. Uh, there's a mindset switch. Their confidence. They're competent in movement. They're more confident. Um, and then even especially, I, I'm, I, I'm sure you've witnessed it, but I find that when girls, young girls show how strong they are, it's a whole other ball game. It's just like a light bulb moment for them that they can do so much more. Um, like, did you see that? Like currently now between our 10 to 12 year olds, I say are girls like technique and weight. I don't know weight's not really an issue, but they kick ass on the boys. <clears throat> yeah. There's no yeah. doubt about that. The bo boys are like gorillas in a, you know, in a donut shop, right? They, they, all they want to do is bull their neck and bubble their snot and lift as much weight as they can lift. And they really don't care what the technique looks like. And, you know, as a, as a, as a teacher and instructor, I, I had to rein those guys in, but the girls would listen. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that there wasn't any heavy requirements on them to lift heavy weights, they loved that. So it became like gymnastics and weightlifting, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> the idea that these kids could go and, and do full movement patterns, you know, where every, every muscle group in the body was going to be worked, you know, and, uh, uh, and yes, they wanted to look good in their bikinis in the summertime. There was no doubt about that. And they, and as they started getting older, you know, these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old, the old hormones are just flowing and they want to look good. So the, whereas the boys, you know, they're really just gorillas and the girls are like, uh, ballerinas. They really wanted to, <clears throat> please me number one but they they were really concerned about their grades and the fact that they scored eight with technique even with the pvc pipe got them an a mm. they were all over that and then once that they got their confidence and they started lifting heavy weights you know the old progressive overload system kicked in and the next thing you know, these girls are snatching body weight and clean and jerk in 1.25 times body weight and scoring eight, nine, and 10 on that, on that technique scale. And of course, the boys are, are snatching 200 pounds and scoring a three or four and not having it counted. Yeah. That just infuriated them. But they learned that if they got good technique, they could also snatch 200 pounds and have it count. So they learned you just had to make them believe that you were serious about <clears throat> about their technique and how you were going to grade them. 
and what you would accept and wouldn't accept. Yeah. And with you being in the school as a teacher, would their overall grades and all other subjects, would that matter about them being on the team? So if they weren't performing in everything, you'd have, you, you'd have a chat with them as well. Oh yeah. My, my, uh, uh, you know, my grade counted just like a math grade counted as well, you know, and, uh, and a lot of the sports teams would send their athletes to me during the, during the one period one through five time period. Now, period six was always for athletic PE. That was always during, uh, you know, during uh, football season, the football team would come in after school and I would work with them after school, but sixth period, and the, the teams that were out of season, like the basketball team or the wrestling team or whatever, they would all come into my my class. Well, it was the same requirements for them. And I had the backing of all the administrators, the athletic directors, the guy that hired me. And uh, the coaches all wanted their athletes to be stronger. And they loved the idea that they didn't have to have to work with them. But I got to I got to do the work. Mm. And so they totally bought into it. And we. Like with the other, like, so you got you, you, the football teams and the wrestling and stuff. You, like, you know, like there's, there's, I did, I think I, I competed as a lifter for, I'd say three years. It wasn't very good, but I, I, I loved the sport and I loved it. It was so hard to master and it takes time and discipline. You got to be willing to put your body in it and you really got to, you got to do more than just turn up. You have to be switched on as well. Right. Um, the benefit of teaching Olympic lifting to so many people, like every, I suppose most sports, I think nearly every sport can benefit from learning part, even parts of the Olympic lifts because it's showing triple extension. Uh, it's an explosive movement. It's speed plus power, uh, speed plus strength, creating more power. And especially in a collision sport, you need it. Um, did you always put the Olympic lifts in for all the other sports or was it, did it vary depending on the sport? No, every sport. There wasn't my, they hired me because of my expertise in the Olympic lifts. They didn't hire me to be a, a powerlifting coach or a mm. bodybuilding coach, which we, we, we taught. I yeah. mean, kids, kids are vain, right? They, they want to look good in a bathing suit, you know, and <clears throat> in their street clothes and so on and so forth. So, and I understood that. But my emphasis, the final exam wasn't on the bench press. The final yeah. exam was on snatch, clean and jerk and front squat, not back squat, but front squat. And it, it didn't matter how much weight you lifted. That was that was the selling point. But you had to get an eight points out of 10 out of 10 possible points. You had to get an eight. And when you got that eight, you got an eight, you got an eight. You know, it, it was that simple. Now, there was a lot of other things that were involved in it, like you had to dress out every day. You had to be on time. You know, there mm. was points that were taken off if you didn't dress or points were taken off if you were tardy. But you had but you could also come in at lunchtime and lift and make up those tardies or make up those non non dress out periods. So I gave them every opportunity to be successful. Yeah. And if you know, everybody has brain farts, you know, we all have bad days. And so if you had a bad day, well, you can come in, you know, before the grading system's over with and make that bad day into a good day and still get a good grade. And with, like, obviously you, you had rules and if people weren't like in the right gear, if they were late. Um, so like, I'm a firm believer in discipline and hard work, but where, like, did that come from just, how you learned sports and how you learned and your just your career or have you always been disciplined? I ever since I was a young lad, I've I've been very disciplined. My dad was a very disciplined man. He was a uh, a coal miner and a and a farmer basically. Um, but you know, growing up, I was very disciplined. I loved athletics, uh, and you know, my dad would tell me says you got to slow down you're you're actually doing too much so you won't recover from what you're supposed to be doing and i had to learn that you know in in sport in high school but really i i did not start lifting weights until i was a university student and i was a football player in in college at the university of notre dame the fighting irish right yes. so i mean uh that's that's was my background but that's when i really started lifting weights 
you know, when I was growing up in high school, I'd do push-ups and sit-ups and lunges and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. But my dad didn't believe in allowing me to lift heavy implements, you know, shoveling cow shit and, uh, you know, shoveling coal and that sort of thing would make me strong. And that was his belief. But when I went off to the university and they wanted me to gain 20 pounds, then weightlifting became a very important part of my development. And Olympic style weightlifting just happened to be the philosophy of my strength coach at Notre Dame. So I, I took to it like, you know, right away. Just uh, I, I loved it. So I became very infatuated with lifting weights in the snatch and the clean and jerk and so on. And if, am I right in that weight your coach was Father Lang? Father Lang was my, was my first Olympic weightlifting coach. He was a Catholic priest. And he made his own equipment. And uh, Notre Dame was probably the first university to have a, a strength room, a, a room. I visited a lot of universities, but none of them had a, a room like Notre Dame had with Father Lang. And Father Lang was self-supporting. He was, you know, he was a guy that could build his own equipment. And the York Barbell Club, which was a major manufacturer back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, would uh, supply Father Lang with barbells and and that sort of thing. But he made all of his own benches and squat racks and pulleys and things like that. He was a master craftsman. So how big of an influence was Father Lang on you in regards to uh, strength training or the Olympic lifts? <clears throat> yeah, he was he was my influence. He was my first coach. He was the guy that set the wheels in motion, so to speak, of directing me to the path that that I'm at. That I, I mean, I'm basically retired now. But you know, the bottom line was, if it hadn't been for Father Lang, I probably would have never gotten into the the depth of strength training that I I have now. Notre Dame had a weightlifting team that during the off season of football, I would. Uh, I would take a group of uh, oh, 10 people, 10 athletes, and we would travel all over the uh, Midwestern United States and we would compete. And uh, <clears throat> even, even as a, um, a freshman at Notre Dame, Father Lang saw the potential in me as a coach. And uh, um, I, I was the coach of the Notre Dame weightlifting team, even as a freshman. So I, I ended up coaching, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors and even graduate students so my first job of coaching weightlifting was done when i was like 19 years old 18 19 years old when i was a freshman at notre dame wow and so father lang was everything to me he yeah. was everything but he saw a lot of potential in me he saw the he saw the discipline i mean i would get up at four o'clock in the morning and go over to his gym and, and work out and I asked him for a key to the weight room and I was the only student that father Lang ever gave a key to his weight room so that I could go in and train at four and five o'clock in the morning. Wow. That's discipline. So four o'clock. That was, I was extremely disciplined and there was a lot of, you know, there was a, another guy named Louis Fournier. He was a football player as well. And Louie and I would, were the only two guys that would go over in the morning and get our workouts in before we would go to classes. We'd go work out, we'd come back and shower, we'd go have breakfast, and then we'd go to classes. And yeah. in the off-season, we'd have another workout. We'd have another workout in the evening, you know, after school. I mean, mm -hmm. after classes were over with. Because, um, like, I think there's a, a moment in a lot of people's lives when you meet someone and they just – they have that that kind of hook on you. And like for you, it, Father Lang, I had a coach. His name was Mike Hollis. Uh, and it just from day one, it was an instant respect because in the, the only way to earn his respect was for me to do the work that was required yeah. for me to better myself. And I remember that he was a basketball coach and like uh, Ireland's not the best in the world at that sport, but I, one of the stories that he told me, although I, I told him, he, he came into the, he was visiting from North Carolina. He came in and he was like, how are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. He's like, did you make the team? And I was like, nah, it's politics. 
Um, they only want people from certain areas. They don't want people from where I'm from. And he goes, that's bullshit. You weren't good enough. And I was like, no, I was good enough. I could beat those players hands down. He's like, you weren't good enough. You weren't good enough to impress them or for them to overlook where you're from. Go back again and do a harder next year. That, and like, if he could say whatever he wanted and that would make me work and next year, guess what? I got on the team um, and it wasn't because of where I was from. It was because I worked my ass off even harder because I had to earn it. And I suppose Coach Mike Hollis to me is similar to your or father Lang to you is yeah. you, you, when you respect someone so much and they respect you for putting the work in. I think that is a big, it's, it's a good to have someone like that enter your life because it's someone you would talk about forever, I suppose. And then maybe I'm sure yeah. people have that same thought of you. Uh, and I hope some of my kids eventually when they're older might have it of me <laughs> if, if I'm doing a yeah. good job. Well, that's, that's what we can hope. And, you know, and the other thing is, too, is that uh, Father Lang was the type of guy that, you know, he would never ask you to do something that he wouldn't have done or he hadn't done already. Mm. You know, and he was that type of leader. He was a lead by example type of a person. And my whole life, I've, been, I've had those kind of guys. My football coach at Notre Dame was Eric Parsegian. And he's the guy that taught me about the fundamentals of teaching. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be football, baseball, basketball, weightlifting, track and field. There's fundamentals that have to be met. And so, mm. But you work the fundamentals every day and you work the drills and skills every single day. It's not all day long, but you take a period of time, 15 minutes a day and work those fundamentals and skills and drills. And over time, those the, the, that skill level, this, it builds. And you have weightlifting is beautiful because you have progressive overload. You can stop. Start with the barbell and add sand to it and then add pipe to it and then, you know, get a get a training bar and, you know, and, and you progressively overload. But you never go to one step before you've mastered that first step. Yeah. So in my world, mastering the PVC pipe, you master the PVC pipe, you master the barbell. And that's what Father Lang taught me was, you know, you don't start it trying to bench press 300 or squat 300 or 150 kilos. You start by doing the PVC pipe with you work on that ankle, knee and hip mobility and that shoulder mobility. You learn that first before you put all the other things into action. And he was the one that taught me that mobility, speed and strength in that order was what the Olympic weightlifter needed and really all athletes. I mean, yeah. the football player, player needs mobility. He needs speed. He needs strength. And Olympic weightlifter is no different than any of the volleyball athletes, the basketball athletes. They're all the same. You need that mobility, speed, and strength. And you need to teach the fundamentals of stance, grip, and position. You mm. get all that action worked out, and it just carries over to your sport of play. And with, like again, coming back to kind of the kids, like one of the things I know, like I, I learned from Jeff, um, was there's two types of faults. There's efficiency faults and there's safety faults. Um, but Olympic lifting is so technically driven. When you're working with kind of younger athletes, I know with older athletes, it's, it's easier to could be more technical and to your wording. But when it comes to working with kind of kids or young teens, what would be how, – how would you simplify it? to the point where you're not overcomplicating it for them? Yeah, that's that's a great question because um, just a, a real short story that my, my first job at uh, teaching high school kids at the school that I finally retired at, uh, I was teaching 15, 16, 17-year-olds, and I was teaching these kids about ankle, knee, and hip extension with the barbell and these kids eyeballs were that that big around they ankle knee and hip extension what does that mean coach and after after the class was over with I had this young lady come up to me and she says coach you're confusing everybody she says you know you talk about your arms are like ropes and that you ankle knee and hip extend to create momentum on the barbell and I said yes that's right she says well why don't you put it in simpler form and I said, okay, what would you tell me to do? She says, just tell them to jump. And that's, and that's how I started teaching. From that time on, 
I taught them how to jump. So the jumping action is the action that creates speed and velocity on the barbell, not the pulling action of the mm. arms, but the jumping action. And then she brought out this jump rope. And on this jump rope, there was a weight hanging down the jump rope. And she says, coach, there's your arms. The two arms of the jump rope, because the weight was hanging, you know, I cut the jump rope in half and the weight was hanging down. So she, it was only like a two and a, two and a half kilo plate. Mm. And she says, Joe, you keep talking about your arms are like ropes. Well, so what do you do when you jump, coach? I said, well, I bend my knees and I load against the ground and I jump up. You mean like this? So she went down and she jumped that weight up. And what happened to the weight? It became weightless. It just went right up because of that explosion against the ground with that jump. Now, I could have, she could have said, or I could have said ankle, knee, and hip extend. And the visualization wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. But when she told me to jump, to jump that barbell through that range of motion to create acceleration and elevation on the barbell, it was like, OMG. And that, that 15-year-old taught me a valuable lesson that day. And that was probably 50 years ago. I mean, it, it was really an amazing lesson. I've, and I've, uh, used that, I've used that technique to teach it, to teach Olympic lifting. I've literally put a, a one kilo plate on a skipping rope and go, it's not about your arms. But I, I, nope, I never said just all. jump. I was, I was always yep. still. But um, also that anyone at any age can teach you a lesson, I suppose, is a really good one to be open-minded. Well, you have, to, you have to be open to do it. And, and yeah. everybody teaches a lesson. I still learn. You know, it's, I'm almost 76 years old and I'm continuing to learn still to this day. And I, but I open myself up to that mm. as well. Yeah, you know? and and a lot of a lot of coaches think that their way is the only way, and I I've never thought that. <clears throat> I'm always looking to improve, but I haven't. You know, in in 50 years, I haven't been able to prove on jump. You know, it's not about jumping high either. That's the other thing. You have to teach that. You have to yeah. teach them. It's not about jumping high. It's about jumping hard, driving hard against the ground. And I just teach the jump because it's the double knee bend and the scoop or whatever you want to call it that gets that range of motion going and that bar to become weightless, so to speak. And it's, it's, again, it's, a, it's every, every kid will get it because every kid knows yeah. how to jump. And I, it, yeah. I, that's a really, it's a really simplistic way of teaching a very complicated movement. Uh, and like you say, if you're open to learning and I suppose to a point, everything works. Every program has a benefit, yep. Um, yep. but what's the best benefit for the, the for the kid or the team? Um, yep. But with all of that, and I suppose now, because well, we see it now, we've got kids that come in and they're they're very protected. They're like so we've we've had some kids that don't know how to roll or tumble and climb, and they just it's they've never been allowed because it's overprotected. In from what you've seen and what you know, and even like kind of with your own grandkids and your your own kids over the years, what I believe that kids need a little bit more resilience, and they need to they need to figure stuff out, and they need a little bit of hardship, like nothing, like just they need to be able to fail and struggle, and then process it and learn from it. Um, what would be your kind of thoughts on that? And I think Olympic lifting is possibly one of the best ways to teach it because there is a lot of failure at the beginning, dry yeah. learning. Yeah, there is. And, you know, the other, the other part of that is that my, my parents were no different. I guess that, you know, I grew up in a time period that, uh, you know, Corporal punishment, spankings were were given. Uh, given uh, my own children were given spankings. Today, kids aren't given spankings very often. I mean, my daughter spanks her kids, and my 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 uh, son spanks her kids. But mm. you know, in love. Yeah. You know, but the bottom line is 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 that 
the parents, you have to meet with the parents and, you know, open house was something the parents would come to my weight room and uh, I, I gave them my philosophy and I told mm. them that if, if you didn't want your students to be, uh, but if you wanted your students to be coddled, that they should not be in my class. Yeah. You know, they, 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 I'm a former Marine. I spent 10 years in the United States Marine Corps uh, and I was not going to coddle students and I didn't coddle my own kids. And I tell them that. Um, so, you know, the, the, for the most part, I would say 95%, 90, even 99% of the, the parents, once that, that back to school night, came in the teacher parent meetings and they've met me and they saw that I was, that I had the interest of their kids at heart. And yes, I was going to be tough on them and um, that I wasn't going to baby them. Then, you know, 90% of them bought into my program. That didn't mean I didn't have trouble because I'm, I'm a dumbass. I mean, I, I make mistakes and, you know, and I'll say things that, you know, might be hurtful for somebody. But I also apologize for the mistakes that I make. If I do something stupid, then I'm going to say I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to come across that strong or maybe I hurt her feelings because, uh, you know, whatever. But it's for her own good. For I have her interest in mind. And I, I really rarely had any problems with parents. They all liked what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I will tell you a funny story. Because I always, my son went to my school and uh, he was very strong. He was a 2008 Olympian. And he, you know, I always talked about him using Longhorn steroids. And my school, the, our, our name was the Longhorns, Rancho Buena Vista Longhorns. So Longhorn steroids, I would tell my students, yeah, well, Casey gets strong because he uses Longhorn steroids. So these kids would go home and tell their parents that, yeah, Mr. Bergner feeds his kids Longhorn steroids. Well, the parents would call the principal, the headmaster, I think, in your school yeah. system. And the, they came down, they came down to me and they said, You can't, you can't be feeding your kid Longhorn steroids. And I told them, I said, Longhorn steroids are peanut butter and banana sandwiches. So I made my son eat peanut butter and banana sandwiches to gain weight. Because he was too thin, I needed him to gain weight. And they laughed. They thought that was the funniest thing in the world. But they didn't understand me. They didn't. They they thought, oh, my God, the strength coach is feeding his kid Longhorn steroids. What does that mean? And so they got a, they got a big laugh at it. And after that, no one ever challenged it again. You know, I mean, nothing, everything. They knew that I had a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor and and uh and i like to you know I, I was very disciplined with my kids uh and but i never asked them to do anything i wouldn't do if they mm -hmm. gave if i gave them burpees i did the burpees too if i gave them push-ups i did the push-ups too and so the parents really bought into that teaching by you know leadership you know teach by example type type of uh situation so they liked me but not in the beginning. They thought I was crazy. You know, but they had to. They had to gain. I had to gain their trust. Yeah, and, and that's and that's. I suppose that's normal, if, especially for with sure. parents and kids. Um, but one of the things yeah. you, you 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 mentioned is that you're like when you're hard on them. And I I heard this years. I can't remember where I got it from, but it was if the day I'm not going to be hard on you, or the day I'm not going to kind of come down on you if you're doing things wrong is the day I stopped caring about your progression and you getting better. And it, like and you've already said, it, it comes from a place of love and it's to yeah. better you and help you become better. I think that's a great thing that you, you taught. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, and I've said it to kids over the course of coaching them uh, from time to time. So the day I'm not, I'm not focused on everything you do is the day I stopped caring, it's the day you need to leave the gym or it's the day I need to shut my gym yeah. down uh, would yeah. be more so. Um, but no, it's a, it's a really good, I think a every coach should be, if you, if you want to coach kids or if you want to coach anyone, you should have that aspect of it rather than trying to be their best friend. Try, like Again, when you're coaching, you're kind of still being a parent to a point, yeah. I suppose. 
Yeah, that's and I will tell you, I became a better coach after I became a parent. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted my my kids to be taught the right way. I didn't want them to be coddled, and so my wife and I were very involved in our our uh, kids' education. And uh, you know, we always took the side of the teacher. We never took the side of the of the kid because. We remember how we were as kids. Yeah. And yeah. I can remember my dad saying, I'm going, dad, you know, this teacher was wrong. And he says, too bad. He's right in my eyes. <laughs> and so I just went like, okay, that's, that's it. I know how this is going to be. So I better behave at school because I know I'm going to get my ass whooped if I got home and, yeah. and was not yeah. acting properly at school. Um. When it comes when it comes to again just weightlifting in general, it was I suppose it's it's slightly off topic, but it's kind of how you your name became synonymous around the world is CrossFit pretty much dragged weightlifting out of the shadows right. onto the main stage. It's where I learned about it. I joined a CrossFit years ago, and this guy, Coach Colum, taught me these movements. And then because of that, I quit CrossFit and joined a weightlifting gym because I was like, this is my jam. This is what I love to do, even though I was bad yeah. at it. It's what I, I really love to do. And you literally, you were there at the beginning. But when when they approached you about it, like, was it kind of, yeah, this sounds good? Or I uh, hear like you, you can't be doing this type of movement that with speed and for reps and how did how did you find it when you were first introduced to CrossFit? Is probably the question I need to ask. Well, Coach Glassman came, went to USA Weightlifting, and asked them if he could set up a, a what USA Weightlifting called a club coaching course. Yeah. At Rancho Buena Vista High School and have me teach it. So he ended up bringing down twenty athletes from you know, uh, Santa Cruz, and this is way before CrossFit. I mean, the organized CrossFit as you, you know it. Yeah. Um, so he came down and 20, 20 athletes, Greg Amerson, Ani Sakamoto, all the big name athletes in the beginning all came down and I certified him in weightlifting, you know, USA weightlifting had a, had a curriculum. Uh, but I, I used that curriculum, but I also used my curriculum that I used at my school basically. So um, after that, a week or two later, Glassman asked me to come to, um, Colorado with him to teach some first responders, Marines, Navy SEALs, police officers, firefighters, part of CrossFit. He had this idea of what CrossFit was all about. And he wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't going to make a living. He wanted to sell his curriculum to these first responders. That's what he was trying to do. But when we went to Colorado, there were 50 first responders that attended our class. And this, this coach charged these guys $500. So there was $25,000 that this guy made. And all, he, paid, he paid CrossFit uh, $8,000. He, he paid Coach Glassman $8,000, and Coach Glassman was happy to, before he saw this, Coach Glassman yeah. was glad to get $8,000. I mean, that was, that was a lot of money. So after that, after he saw that, he called me up a week later, and he says, we're going to start doing seminars in Santa Cruz once a month. We're going to charge $1,000, and we're going to cap it at sixty. So every month he started in on these seminars and I would drive up to Santa Cruz and I would do my three hour spiel on, uh, on CrossFit. And all of a sudden this thing just took off. So then the next year, after one year, the next year he comes to me and he says, we want you to do your own course. And I was still involved, heavily involved with weightlifting. Mm. You know, I was, this was like 2006 and seven and in 2008 was coming up. I had athletes that were going to make the Olympic games in Beijing. Um, so I started traveling around the, the, actually around the United States. I did five in 2007, five courses in 2007 and USA weightlifting 
saw all these courses I was doing. And then 2008, I did 10 courses. In 2009, I did 40 courses. And I did them all by myself. Mm. So I was I was the resident expert. And all I did was take my curriculum at Rancho Buena Vista High School and put it into a two-day course. And my course has always been about fundamentals and skills and drills. It's always been about that. So when USA Weightlifting saw that this was happening, all of a sudden, we started sending athletes that didn't necessarily want to do Isabel and Grace at those high numbers. You know, they wanted to do weightlifting because they found out they had never heard of weightlifting before. They didn't think that they could do weightlifting. So CrossFit brought in this idea that everybody that's involved with fitness can do the Olympic lifts. And Greg Glassman loved the Olympic lifts. He liked the snatch and he liked the clean and jerk. Uh, so it, it just took off. And so weightlifting, all of a sudden their membership, and I was, I was on the board of directors of weightlifting. I've always tried to sell them on this CrossFit thing and they laughed at me. They thought I was crazy. But then all of a sudden they saw the numbers. Their, their membership went from 3,000 members to over 40 and 50,000 members, all because of CrossFit. Yeah. All because of CrossFit. And it, it just introduced more people, young kids, into the sport. And, you know, CrossFit, I mean, Matt, you know, you take Matt Frazier was a weightlifter before he was a, a CrossFitter. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, Catherine Nye was the CrossFitter that became a weightlifter. And so you take a look at the USA weightlifting teams today. Most of those kids started out in CrossFit. Mm. And, you know, and so CrossFit did a lot for, uh, you know, bringing weightlifting back to the world. You know, yeah. as, as I as I say yeah. it, if it wasn't for CrossFit, I think we'd still be a Neanderthal sport. Yeah, because I like again, I learned it through CrossFit, and then I remembered with a lot of resistance from weightlifting because I remember joining a weightlifting gym and I got an awful lot of slagging for roasting for being a CrossFitter. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but now again, a lot of those guys ended up doing CrossFit or trying CrossFit or been more welcoming to the CrossFit community, which I think has really helped a lot of sports, but it's weightlifting is probably one of the biggest sports it is it has helped grow because oh, it's yeah it, it it really has and it's uh you know once you get past the the isabels and the in the graces mm. you know how many reps can i you know how many seconds does it take me to do what 30 reps or whatever it is but you're only using what 45 kilos 43 yeah. kilos or something in the in the snatch and 62 kilos in the clean and jerk. I mean, to the weightlifter, I mean, really, that's not very much weight. And my daughter-in-law, Natalie, was a 2008 Olympian. And first time she ever did uh, Isabel, it took her seven minutes and 30 seconds to do 30 reps because she was so dialed in on her pre-setup. You know, yeah. I've, I've got to set up the right way. I've got to do everything the right way. And then about a week later, after she, after she uh, you know, did that first seven minutes and 30 seconds, a week, a week later, she did 30 reps in two minutes. That's pretty doggone good. That's good. You know, increase. for a non-trained athlete. She's not a CrossFitter, but she did, she did 30 reps with 40, 43 kilos in, you know, in two minutes. That's pretty good. And she had excellent technique. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I came, my philosophy was I can go as fast as I can, as long as I have an eight. Yeah. In my technique. So, I, but I've had to learn that Josh Evers, one of my first athletes who could snatch 125 kilos, he, he became a CrossFitter and he did a Isabel in sub 60 seconds. But it was a rounded back, stiff-legged deadlift muscle snatch. It was the ugliest thing you would ever want to see. But he was so strong and athletic yeah. that he could get away with it. So the weight wasn't and a problem. The weight wasn't a problem. You're not, you're not snatching 100 kilos when you do Isabel. 
Yeah. You know, or, or, or grace. You're not, you're not getting up there in that way. You know, I mean, I know there's, there's people that do grace and Isabel with a little bit more weight, but still uh, the bottom line is that I had to grow with that. I had to learn that, but my philosophy to this day still is if I'm going to do grace and Isabel, I'm going to do an eight or better, or the rep doesn't count. That's just me. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I love that. Um, just, I'm going to, uh, I know I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I have one more question, uh, one more kind of thing. And I, I've seen this a lot and I've, I've heard the stories as well. Um, of You're a fan of the burpee. <laughs> well, the burpee is a great word for me because it <clears throat> it's used with humor. But if I'm speaking with you and I watch you all of a sudden keep your eyeballs off me and now you're starting to look around the room or you're looking at your buddy and your whatever, then I always had the trigger term burpee. And the burpee, if I ever said the word burpee in my class, the class had to yell out, yay burpees. And if they didn't yell it out, I knew they weren't paying attention to me. So the motivational consequence was they had to do burpees. So, I mean, I would be lecturing a class on the fundamentals of the snatch. And all of a sudden I'd see that, okay, I've got, I've got these 15, 16, 17 year olds, 18 year olds in my class and they're young and they're paying attention. But then all of a sudden they start looking at their buddy and they're starting to, Hey, what are you going to do tonight? Type thing. And then I just say, well, what about burpees? And if half the class yelled out burpees, I knew the other half of the class wasn't paying attention. So the whole class and me had to be given motivational consequences because obviously I'm not, I'm not doing a good job of making you, making you listen to me. So we all had to do burpees. And we usually would have to do, and we had to do them the right way. If we didn't do them the right way, then, uh, you know, we kept going until we got it done the right way. No, that's a motivational consequences. That is motivational uh, consequences is, is, is a great way of putting it. And yeah, so I became the burpee man. That was, yeah. that was it. I could have used push ups, I could, but I just became the burpee man. No, that's brilliant. Um, Mike, Coach B, it has been an absolute joy to listen to you and take some golden nuggets from your experience as a coach. And then from anyone that is listening or watching the show, uh, Mike's Instagram will be uh, below. The uh, link to the website will be below. If you like, check them out. They've got online programs. They've got a lot of stuff going on. And if you're if you like this show, again, give us a like and subscribe. As always, it means a lot because uh, I mean, someone's watching my show, which is great. But Mike, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank and, you for um, having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a joy. And yeah, we'll see you all in the next one. This week, every time my alarm goes off. Depends on the sport a little bit, but it just, it. they need to worry that bad at what I teach. I'm so excited to hit this workout. Yeah. I'm so glad my parents never let me. You're listening to the Live, Live, Play podcast.